0: Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center, New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson.
1: If You plan on living on earth and continuing to move forward. It's something that all of us have to deal with. The key is how we deal with it. And one of the things in talking about, you know, we know that we have to maintain our thought life, and I talked a little bit about how we need to appreciate and acquire discernment. And I had you look last time, I'm not gonna have you go back to that, but last time we looked at 1 Kings the third chapter and we read verses nine through 14. Now I want you to go to 1 Corinthians the second chapter and we're gonna look at verse 14. That's 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and we're going to look at verse 14. This is exactly where we left off last week. And let me know when you get there by saying amen. Amen. Okay. So if we look at it in the New King James Version, it says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. If we look at it in the message it says, the unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't receive the gifts of God's spirit. There's no capacity for them. They seem like such silliness. Spirit can be known only by spirit. God's spirit and our spirits in open communion. Spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's spirit is doing and can't be judged by unspiritual critics. Isaiah's question, is there anyone around who knows God's spirit? Anyone who knows what he is doing has been answered. Christ knows and we have Christ's spirit. That's a very very powerful uh, message to me really and the point is when we are dealing with these thoughts ideas and suggestions that we know we have to have control over the good news is if we just take a moment and stop trying to figure everything out on our own we the Holy Spirit will guide us with exactly what we are supposed to be thinking and how we're supposed to control those thoughts but I don't think I, I think sometimes we get so caught up and trying to do things our way, that we really forget to just, you need to just get to a point, and I'm really learning this, that every single day, I think sometimes we, because this is what society does to us and our schooling has done to us, we sit up and we're so much into planning for the future and I'm not saying you're just supposed to put your head in the sand and have no thought for you know your life, that's not what I'm saying But what I'm saying is the just shall live by faith, that literally means that every single day we are supposed to see what would God have for us, what does he want us to do with this block of time, he's timeless is true he's given us time for ourselves but this 24 hour block of time, what does he want us to accomplish, what does he want us to do. If we do that we'll find that it's a lot easier when it comes to thoughts ideas and suggestions to know exactly what our next step is supposed to be because he'll lead us. That's why the discernment portion is so important as well as everything else. Turn with me now to 1st John the fourth chapter. 1st John and we're gonna look at verses 1 through 6 in the fourth chapter and let me know when you have it, okay. So if we look at it in the New King James Version, it says, beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out in the world but this you know the spirit of God every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God and this is the spirit of the antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world you are of God little children and have overcome them because he who is Excuse me we 're in first John the fourth chapter, verses one through six now we 're actually at the fourth verse, okay you, Excuse me, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us he who is not of God, does not hear us, but this we know, the spirit of truth. By this we know, rather, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. If we look at this in the Message Bible, because I like how it breaks it down a little bit more clearly, it says, my dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. Here, And that's true. I hate to say it, but it is true. Here's how you test for the genuine spirit of God. Everyone who confesses openly his faith in Jesus Christ, the son of God, who came as an actual flesh and blood person, comes from God and belongs to God. And everyone who refuses to confess faith in Jesus has nothing in common with God. This is the spirit of antichrist that you have heard was coming. Well, here it is, sooner than we thought. My dear children, you come from God and belong to God. You have already won a big victory over those false teachers for the spirit in you is far stronger than anything in the world. These people belong to the Christ-denying world. They talk the world's language and the world eats it up but we come from God and belong to God. Anyone who knows God understands us and listens. The person who has nothing to do with God will of course not listen to us. This is another test for telling the spirit of truth from the spirit of deception. So the point being is we just need to do what? Make sure we are being led and pay attention to what the word says and what the spirit of God is directing he will direct you in every single thing it's just that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman you may have heard that expression or not but he truly is he is not going to knock you over the head to get you to hear him or listen to him he is there for you at your bidding but if you don't yield to him then you're on your own. And so often too many Christians just remain on their own. So if we fail to maintain our minds, if we fail to guard our thoughts, we will find ourselves living on a level of life far below the standard that Father God desires for his children. And that we can say there are a lot of Christians who love God. There's no question that they love God, but they're not living at the level that he wants them to live at. There's got to be a reason because he's no respecter of person so why is that? The whole point of the matter is (laughs) he wants the best for us however he doesn't control it. You are the architect of your future. You are the captain of your own ship. Too many times we want to slough it off and say well it's the environment or it's the Democrats or the Republicans or the man in the White House or something else. We never stop to think about it but all of it is in us. It's in us as a result of what we think. And if you really are honest with yourself and take a minute to think about it, you can really Maybe if you don't see it so much now, you could probably go back and just sit and think about some of the dreams, some of the aspirations, some of the things you wanted to do with your life that you talked your own self out of having them you know manifest because you know it's like well I don't know if I can do that that just seems so difficult I don't see how I'm gonna be able to get that promotion I just don't see how and as far as moving I'm so blessed I have someplace to stay you know they're talking about you know moving across town I, I don't know that I can do that. You are talk- It's what you're thinking. And what you're thinking is what you're saying. Because you do say what it is that you think. And you also say what it is that you believe. So if you sit there and you're thinking that way, You're going to act upon that, and that's how come you're going to stay exactly where you are. You can literally sit and stay in one spot and never move. It's up to you. You are the one who told yourself what to get up and put on today. You were the one who decided that you were going to be here tonight. You could have decided to stay home and look at TV or something else, but you are the one who made the decision to come. So you are the one who truly is the architect of your entire life. So if you want to be somewhere different or you want to do something different, it's all in your it starts with your thoughts and then that materializes into what you believe your belief system it will affect your actions and it will come out of your mouth and you do eat the words of exactly what it is that you say you've talked about that for example if we think about failed marriages And there are a lot of them. And many of them are in Christian homes. That's the sad part. There are failed marriages. And we've talked about parent-children relationships, even employee-employer relationships. Some people are in stress constantly when they go to work. And they are not getting along with the people at work. And the people probably don't want to see them when they come to work. (laughs) All of that's very true. Okay, But it's also in friendship relationships. You'll see some people, they've been friends for 25 years. And then all of a sudden, they're not speaking. What How did that happen? You've invested 25 years into something, called a relationship and then all of a sudden somebody says something or does something that you don't like and you're not going to talk to them? Very interesting to me but again all of those things and all of the things that I just mentioned that are destroyed are done how? By thoughts, ideas and suggestions. The other thing that's really something is I hate to see and it's true that there are many Christians who deal with fear and it's real for them. They also deal with depression and discouragement and all of these things can truly dominate their life and just keep them from, again, having all God wants for them. When that happens they've clearly lost that particular round of their battle because we're always in a battle but when those things manifest in their lives they have truly lost the battle. Whenever we see Christians that are depressed it can tell us that they just didn't maintain their thought life and that's not to judge them it's just to explain how they got into that place. They didn't just fall into that position it had a lot to do with what they were thinking, how they were thinking, how they were seeing their situation and sometimes this part is really kind of sad too. They'll come to church and they'll think that you know we can just lay hands on them or the ministry is going to help them just get rid of the situation the ministry did not put depression didn't allow you to slip into depression to begin with so how are we supposed to just have it magically disappear this is not that's not it doesn't work that way you through your own thoughts ideas and suggestions have to pull yourself up out of that situation yes you can exercise your faith and we can believe God with you that you will see how you need to change your thoughts ideas and suggestions to line up with the word of God but again the buck still stops with you it's nothing we can just say okay praise the Lord and it's gonna happen you are still the one that has to do it um, <laughs> and here's the thing I don't care what it is that anybody may be facing at any point in time. Doesn't have to be depression, it could be anything. You could go down a list of whatever challenges you may be facing. Here's what you have to understand. You're not the only one facing that particular challenge. Somebody else has faced it before, and somebody else has had victory over it. So if they've overcome it and have victory, then you can do, and you should too. especially because you're a child of the Most High God. So there's absolutely no reason why you should not. Now, how is it that everyone who faces the same situation that you face doesn't end up in the same place? Again, it all goes back to thoughts, ideas and suggestions and how you manage yours. It's a spirit that Satan sends out to harass you. He's, uh, that's, uh, that's all he does. I mean he just sits there and has little minions to help him. To sit out and just harass us to try to make life you know more challenging. But, He can't really do it and get away with it unless we allow him to do so. Turn with me to Luke's Gospel, the 10th chapter, and many of you already know this verse, but I'm just reminding you of it. Luke's Gospel, the 10th chapter, verse 19. And we're gonna look at it out of the New King James Version first. And Luke 10, 19, says, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing. How many things are left out of nothing? Right, nothing, no thing shall by any means hurt you. If we look at it in the Amplified it says listen carefully, I have given you authority, what does that mean? Authority the qualifier that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and qualifier the ability to exercise authority over all How much is left out of all? Okay, Over all the power of the enemy, Satan, and nothing will in any way harm you. But if you don't know that, and if you don't believe that, and if you don't think that, then you're opening up the door for him to be able to do it. So we're going to look at it lastly out of the message, and it says, Jesus said, I know, I saw Satan fall, a bolt of lightning out of the sky. See what I've given you, safe passage as you walk on snakes and scorpions and protection from every assault of the enemy. No one can put a hand on you. All the same, the great triumph is not in your authority over evil, but in God's authority over you and presence with you. Not what you do for God, but what God does for you. That's the agenda for rejoicing. I mean, to me, that's really, really clear. So, it's all up to us, really. I mean, when you really stop and think about it, God's already done everything he's going to do. It's really, really up to us. Satan is no respecter of persons, and he attacks us all the same. Now we could all sit around and have our own pity parties and we could all feel bad and we could all talk about all the challenges that we are facing and all the things that we've had to grow through and I mean you really could do that or you could just look at it and start thinking even change that around and start thinking about all the victories that you've won because of all the things that God has delivered you from and even if you wake up on a day and it just seems like oh my goodness I gotta face this challenge yet again go back and think about that Go back and bring it back to your remembrance. That's what it means when it says, stare up the gift that's within you. Start remembering the things that God has brought you through and you are on top of. And then guess what? Your thoughts will adjust accordingly. But again, that's a decision that you have to make. Because stuff comes up all the time. (laughs) And we've just got to learn that. But we have to learn how to deal with all the stuff that comes up. And the best way to do that is to do what? We have to take on, put on, and keep on our armor, which is what? The word of God. So I've decided a long time ago to take my armor, protect myself, live victoriously and in peace every day of my life. And it's something where you know you might have to, and I mean, I've done this. It's weird, you come in my house, I have a refrigerator and I love magnets, I collect magnets, so I have all kinds of things with magnets, but I will take little pieces of paper, cards, index cards, and I will write exactly what it is that I'm supposed to feel about something. Like I will write down in Psalms how it says, how the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants am his servant. That's sitting on my refrigerator. So you know what? Because the mail comes in, I usually open it up in the kitchen and believe me, I always have some bills. So I just sit up and can look at the refrigerator and just smile and know that he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And he's going to take care of me and guess what? He's got to deal with these bills because I live my life at his pleasure and nobody takes care of me better than he does. The point though is it's how you think about a thing. I mean, you can walk in different places. I have little notes that I just put all over the place for myself. I will never, ever, ever be broke again another day in my life. I know what it's like to be broke. I know what it's like not to have money. And I know what it's like to have my pockets full. Having my pockets full is much better. So the point is though, why am I telling you this? Sometimes you have to remind yourself how to think. Because don't think that the enemy does not challenge me. Believe me. Know that he tries. But I know that I win. So the point is he can shoot his best shot. I don't care what it is. I'm going to win. Because my Father has already provided that for me. And I just have these little things all around and I'll just walk by and just say them and speak them out into existence. So, I mean, you have to do whatever works for you. That works for me. I mean, when my daughter was in school, my youngest daughter was in college and She's very much a homebody. She likes to be home. So for her to be away in school, sometimes it was challenging, and she really could not understand because she was in school, and I sent her to a Christian college. And kids—I mean, the things that were coming out of their mouths, the things they were saying—it was really challenging for her. So. Really, my son suggested that every single week I have a date with her, where I would go to her campus every Wednesday afternoon. And he told me, he said, do that, because that's going to help you. It's going to help her to see you. And just it kind of brings into remembrance all the things that you've ever said to us. It just it's, it's just sort of like touching base, so to speak. So I was like, OK. So I didn't tell her what I was doing, but I would do that. Every single Wednesday, I would go up there. And it would be interesting, because sometimes I Meet her in the cafeteria, and then all of these people were coming, and we'd end up holding court. You know, and it would be good in that respect, but a lot of times I would just get her by herself to just talk to her. But then the Holy Spirit gave me a great idea. I got a cute little bag, and in the bag, on index cards, I would write a scripture. And then I would write a couple of sentences about the scripture and I gave her a bag full of them so that every day she could have something that sounded like me but reminded her of the word. And it was the most wonderful thing because one day when I went to visit her I saw that she had all of these things put all around her room. I was like really? So I was like oh I guess you are reading them because you're even putting them all but the point was, that's what allowed her to pursue and do what she needed to do, because it's, she knew that she was in this world, and she definitely knew that she wasn't of it. But it helped her to be able to persevere, to get through school, to graduate with honors. The point is, you need to do what it is that you have to do. And it kept her thought life where it needed to be. And I just think that's wonderful, because she had a major that everybody in the school kept telling her she was the only girl in her class because what she went for, nobody else went. She had a business degree, but she wanted to really go into audio recording technology. And everybody there was like, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. And there were no other girls. And they're like, no girl does that. And I'm like, you operate with the mind of Christ. Don't let them tell you what you cannot do. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. And of course, she did. But the point is. We have to do it. So if you know children or if you know young people or you yourself if you think that's going to help you, do it. Especially depending upon what your situation or challenge is. It always says we're supposed to go to the word and we're supposed to find the scriptures that we want to stand on. So do that. I mean it's nice. You can go to a Christian bookstore and we even have it at our bookstore. You can go on Sunday and buy little cards that have scriptures on them and that's wonderful. So you can do that. But it's wonderful when you can sit and find the word which you're believing for, and you write that down, what does it tell us to do? To write the vision, make it plain, do that, and you start saying it and watch your life change. Now, that wasn't even in here, but whatever. It was for someone. So so when depression, fear, and discouragement dominate a child of God, it reveals their failure to do what? Maintain their thought life. And it's not just depression. It could be anything. Whatever it is you're standing against, if it's something that you find you're going over and over, you know how... One of the things that I like, if I'm going through a challenge, Lord let me learn whatever I have to learn when I'm growing through this because I don't want to grow through this again, okay? The point is if you find, and this is where you have to be authentic again with yourself, if you find that you are in the same area of challenge over and over again, that's definitely something where you've got to tweak and adjust your thoughts. Because you're allowing that with that, I'm sure you're not intending, you know, nobody intends to create a challenge for themselves, but you're opening up the door for the enemy. And if he's buffeting you with the same thing over and over, and you have not become an overcomer over it, I'm telling you, you need to check your thoughts. Because somewhere in there, he's giving you a thought, idea, and suggestion that you don't even recognize, and you're falling into that same thing again. Because believe me, you should not have to go through the same thing over and over again. So check that. If that's happening to you. Definitely know that that's something that you need to do. Now some people think that the remedy for any kind of issue is to have hands laid on them and then the fear and low self-esteem and whatever their problems are, are going to leave. And like I said before, it all still starts with your mind. Because even when you come and you have people lay hands on you, even for healing, okay? All we're doing is doing what? Getting in agreement with the word and with you. Which means if you don't believe you're healed, you could have... The apostle, the whole church Price family, anybody and any other person you could think of, you could line up all of the Christian leaders in the world. They could all lay hands on you, but if you don't believe it, it's not going to manifest because it has to come from what your thought, what your idea, what your suggestion is that you're standing on. And too often, People just don't realize that. And then they just blame God and claim that it didn't work. Or, you know, I went to church, I had hands laid on me, but nothing happened. Okay, well, nothing happened because what did you just say? You eat the fruit of your lips. So we have no authority from the Word of God to say, mind be healed. Okay, so if somebody is fighting something like depression, and don't misunderstand me, I have a true sensitivity when it comes to people who are fighting depression. Because I feel as if, especially in our country, it is not treated the way that it should be. It's not treated like if someone comes in and they tell you that they have, I don't know. They could come in with any other malady that that you could imagine. They could even come in and say that you know, when I eat my food, I have heartburn or or whatever. Oh, people run to try to help them with that. They give them all kinds of, well, we can give you this for that, and we can do that for that, and all the rest of it. But if they say that they have a moment where they're feeling down or they're feeling depressed, people automatically start to judge them. And the part that really gets to me is Christians do it. Okay, we should be some of the most compassionate, loving people on the planet. And we will sit and start judging somebody for that. And that shouldn't be. If anything, we need to pray for them, pray with them, and try to encourage them to know that they just need to adjust their thinking to line up with the word of God and watch that thing flee so that they can overcome it and be on the other side of it. But we have a lot of that. And there is no scripture that says, mind be healed. There just is not one. So that is something that we just need to be mindful of. You have to take authority over anything in your life that is not lining up with the word. You've got to maintain your thought life, which is why you have to put on your armor. And whenever any kind of negative thought comes against you, what are you supposed to do? Reject it and say it. I reject that in the name of Jesus. That, I mean, if you are having... As adults, I don't necessarily know if you should be having that many nightmares, but you might. Little children, a lot, have nightmares. One of the things that you have to tell them, you are blessed. One of the things that you have to tell them right off the bat, or at least this is what I train my children, is just say, I do not receive it. I reject that in the name of Jesus, because it's not lining up with the word. But you have to speak to it. We are so, I don't know, because we think we're just so scholarly or, you know, like, it seems silly to talk out loud. (laughs) Speak it, whatever it is you want, I promise you, it's in your mouth. People are always looking for some kind of quick fix, and I mean, I understand that. Nobody wants to grow through anything and have to stay there for a long period of time, but there really are no quick fixes. Especially if you're dealing with, there are no quick challenges. I mean, the challenges are real. So, if the challenges are real and they're not quick, you can't always expect that the fix is going to be quick. You know, if you're dealing with something like some people will look at debt, and I've had people say this say they're, I don't know, $20,000 in debt, and they want to come in for a counseling session and think that we can offer them some kind of suggestion to get rid of the debt, you know, in, in 30 days. You didn't get, $20,000 $20,000 in debt didn't occur in 30 days, so how are we supposed to get rid of it in 30 days? I mean, yeah, if we just give you the money, but there is no debt plan that you're just going to say, okay, debt be gone. I mean, come on. You still you still have to again, use discernment. Okay, which means maybe for the next little while until it's gone, you don't buy anything unless it's a necessity. That's one way to help it go away. You know? But you can't just think that you know, you're know you going to come in, have a counseling session, we're going to pray, and it's just going go no don't think so doesn't work that way doesn't quick fixes don't work that way at all so we have to keep that in mind for sure whenever you have any kind of thought like that or any thought that comes up you need to compare it to the word of God and see if it measures up with the word I mean, again, the word has to be your final authority. And if it doesn't, then do what? Just hit the delete button. Like, it just doesn't. It's not something I'm going to waste any time thinking about. And, you know, you can almost live a fasted life with your thoughts. Because sometimes, well, Stan is really good. He'll come and he'll say something to me. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. And I'm not all in because the reason I'm not all in is because it's a waste of my life to be thinking about it. Meaning, because he, like, he, like to give you a perfect example, he knows because we spend a lot of time in the car. And when we come into Manhattan, you hear me say all the time, I feel like we're coming into a whole different world. Because you know, out on Long Island, it's just everything is different. You come in here to the concrete jungle, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Because there are skyscrapers and things. It's amazing. It truly is. There's no place in the world like New York. Well, he, because he's in construction, he really gets into it. I mean, he knows every building, and when they started it, and did you see when they put this in, and they put that? And I mean, he's really into it. He gets psyched up. He's, uh, and you put him in Baltimore together and it's like okay I'm going to go play a game on my phone because they are really into it. But I feel so bad sometimes because he'll ask me about did I see what floor I didn't even see the building to begin with <laughs> but, but he's already up to what level and blah 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 I don't care. Now for me the reason why is because I just look at it like I don't need to be wasting my brain power on that because it holds no interest to me. What do I care nice. I mean I don't I just say okay you know and I'm like all right and he's like you really don't care. I'm like well you really want to know the truth? No I really don't but if it interests you okay you know I think it's great. The point I'm making is there are a lot of things that come in front of you on a daily basis that don't need to occupy your brain power. Meaning Like you may have your TV or your radio on at home sometimes when you're doing something else because it's just noise in the background. And that's fine, I do that. But if something is coming along that does not line up with the word, if you're living a fasted life, then you start fasting your thoughts. And you start realizing, oh, that doesn't compute. So you don't waste your time thinking about it. But what I'm saying to you is, Unless you plan on doing that, you might not be doing it. You might be actually absorbing it without realizing it. And then subliminally, it is a way for the enemy to get a thought, idea, or suggestion to you. And before you know it, you start acting and thinking upon what it is that you've heard. So what I'm saying is, just like I had said, and I don't know if any of you are doing it, because I never asked you. I had said at the end of last year that I wanted everybody to start a gratitude journal where you take, even if it's only, you could use your phone, you don't have to write it down in a journal because I know everybody's not into doing that, but you know, with most phones you can talk to them now, you don't even have to write, they're making things so easy. But even if it's just one sentence, take one sentence or two sentences and document what you are grateful for in that day. And I said to you, if you do this, you will see how your life totally changes. Because first of all, you're not going to have a whole lot of days that are negative because you've got so many things to be grateful for. So that's why I wanted you to start the gratitude journal. So now what I'm going to suggest to you is start having a fasted life when it comes to your thoughts. If your thoughts and thoughts that are being presented to you don't line up with the word, just don't start meditating on them. Just kinda like, say, delete, you know? I mean, you can sit there, if anybody, how many people here um, have an email account? Email. Okay, everybody's not techie in here, okay. Well, that might not. OK, here's another one. Everybody usually gets mail, right? Mail that comes you know, with your bills. OK, uh, does anybody here get junk mail? Oh, everybody can relate to that. OK, so when you get the junk mail, do you spend a lot of time with it where you sit down and you really read it, or does it just go in the trash pile? OK, that's what I want you to do with your thoughts. So if your thoughts are coming to you through any stimulus at all, whether it's your phone, telemarketers roll into that, you know, uh, the junk mail pile, um, things like if you are a person who's a techie and you get email, like you know, I may get about 800 emails in just one account a day, I have to scroll down and go, no, 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 and just delete. You have to do that. If you do that you find that you get such freedom because now where it tells us that we're supposed to meditate on the word, you've got more available space in your mind to do that. So it's, it's, I'm gonna call it having a fasted thought life where you are making a conscious effort not to spend a whole lot of time on all that other extra stuff, just spend the time on meditating on the word and how it applies to you and I'm not even asking you to do it for a long period of time just do it in every 24-hour block just get up have your devotions have your prayer time whatever your system is I mean I'm not trying to reinvent your system but whatever it is that you do to plug into the word daily make it a point to say that's what I'm going to take this precious time that I have with my mind and spend on and all this other extra stuff I'm not gonna waste my time on it. So, you know, when it comes to the buildings, I see them, I know that Stan appreciates it, and I'm sure it helps him and serves him well. Doesn't serve me well, so therefore I don't waste any time thinking about it. I just smile and I'm pleasant and keep it moving, and I'm thinking on something else that's going to help me. That's what I think, I'm telling you, if you do that, then we'll discuss it, because I really want to see if you think it's helped you. Fair? Is everybody willing to at least try it? okay good because I think that's going to be good that wasn't even in here either thank you Holy Spirit he comes up with the greatest ideas (laughs) okay so can we be certain that the weapons of our enemy are indeed thoughts ideas and suggestions I would think we'd have to say yes can we be certain that the target of our enemy is our mind I have to say yes can we be certain that the wiles of the devil the evil day and the fiery darts thoughts ideas and suggestions are what the enemy uses against us I think we can all positively say unequivocally equivocally, yes is the answer. So no matter the type of warfare, winning depends on knowing your enemy. Knowledge of his strengths, weaknesses, weapons, and methods of attack are vital if one is to experience victory. Now that is a mouthful, but it makes a whole lot of sense. You can even think about well I like basketball. So if you look at a basketball game, why do you think they look at tapes before they go to a particular game? Because they want to see what their opponents are going to do. And based on what their opponents do, if they've looked at the tape, they've studied it, they learn it, they understand it, they get on that court and they're able to thwart what the enemy is going to do and that's how they win, get more points and everything else. Well it's the same thing that we can do. And The thing that's so wonderful is you're wonderfully and fearfully made. God has given you a brain which is the most complex computer that man cannot even duplicate. You can spend some time and you can sit down and you can catalog and see the areas that the enemy tries his best to attack you in. And then you sit there and you figure out how you are not going to let him come up with that thing at you again so that you are on the other side of it and overcome it. And then you're going to use discernment because you're going to do what? Try the spirit by the spirit and you're going to be on the other side of it. You have the ability to do all of that. You just have to take the time. And sometimes we don't think of it that way because we're so busy in this thing called life and trying to get through it and do the things that we have to do that we don't always think of it that way. So that's why the Holy Spirit gives us different ways to think about things. We already know (laughs) that we have an enemy and we have to do our due diligence because if we don't then he is going to operate and find ways to take advantage of us. This principle holds true during our conflict with the devil himself. The more we know about his game plan, his operation, the things he will and will not do, and the way he approaches us, the easier it will be to stand against him. I mean, that's just really common sense. You don't even have to get spiritual on that. That's just common sense. So based on these facts, let's find out from the word of God what Satan's method of attack in his previous battles with mankind has been. Now, once we know that... (laughs) we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's quite predictable. Once we know him, we then know where he will attack and how he will attack, and knowing that gives us, what, the advantage. The examples that we're going to check out will reveal without question that the things the devil uses against us are thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, and his target is always your mind. That's the arena of faith. So, turn with me to Genesis. But you know what, before you do that, turn with me to Romans, because I want to show you something. Because this goes back to what I was saying about how we are constantly bombarded with stuff. Romans 12, you know this. I'm just bringing it back to your remembrance. Romans the 12th chapter and the second verse. I'm very confident that you're familiar with this. So Romans 12 to, are you there? okay and the New King James Version it says and do not be what conform to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God that goes back to having that fasted thought life that I'm saying okay and not allowing all of the extra stimulus that you get through junk mail through whatever you're hearing that's what this is really breaking it down and saying it but I wanted to give you the scripture not just my thought on it so if we look at it in the Amplified it says and do not be conformed to this world here's the qualifier, any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed, how? As a mature, as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, how? In his plan and purpose for you. Because that's what you've got to think about. What is his plan and purpose for you? And what are you supposed to be doing about that? Then we're going to look at it lastly in the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Oh, that is beautiful. Embracing What God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That, I mean, to me, that's exciting. Now you can turn to Genesis, the third chapter. And we're going to look at the first verse. Genesis 3, and we're going to look at the first verse. And it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The Amplified Version says, now the serpent was more crafty, subtle, skilled in deceit than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent Satan said to the woman, can it really be that God has said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Now, the relationship between Satan and the serpent is not really made clear. But Satan is identified with the serpent later found in Revelation. So what I want you to do is... uh, we're going to have to do that next time. So you know what? Because what we're going to do, because this is really a study, and I want you to see this, we're going to turn to the book of Revelation, and we're going to really see and confirm exactly who the serpent is and why. But I will say this to you. In Genesis 3, and when we go over it next week, and you'll see exactly how I'm going to tie it together, we find a precedent-setting event. Generally speaking, a precedent is a record of an act, that serves as a guide for future acts of similar kind. Anytime something is allowed to happen for the first time, it sets what, a precedent. The best way to find out how the enemy comes against us is to go back and check the first time he came against mankind. What did he do? What didn't he do? How did he approach the situation? What weapons did he use and what weapons didn't he use? If we can find that out, then we have what? We have the advantage. Genesis gives us an account of the devil approaching man for the very first time and it serves as a guide for future acts of similar kind. Observing the devil's method of attack against Eve in the Garden of Eden will help us in discovering how he will attack us today. The Bible says that Jesus is what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. But so is the devil. So think about it. Why should we, why should he rather waste time trying to come up with a novel way of coming against mankind when the method he used since the first time worked like a charm? He set the precedent of them. And the person he worked the game on was a person who stood head and shoulders above us in terms of intellect. And when you think about it, Poor little Eve, she really had a pure mind. There was nothing to make her mind be anything less than pure. Now our minds have been corrupted over time and experience and all of the different stuff that we're constantly bombarded with. So quite naturally we've got to know, we really have to spend time and understand exactly what he did so we don't fall prey like Eve. And then I have a real interesting uh, way of thinking about Eve. Um, and we really are going to have to do it next time. But what we're going to do next time is we're going to make the correlation between the serpent that's talked about in Genesis, the third chapter, to what we find in Revelation, the 12th chapter, and then the 20th chapter. And you're going to learn a little bit, too, about the book of Revelation that you may or may not know. So anyway, we're going to do that next time because I have one at a time. So that's what we're going to do next time. So for right now, every head bow.
0: Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323.